Hello and welcome to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. The title of this episode is Energy Storage System Markets Podcast. In this podcast, we're going to cover energy storage systems growth rates. We're going to talk about lithium and other markets. We're going to talk about concentrated solar power, otherwise known as CSP, which is not a lithium market. We're going to talk about molten salt storage. That's storing things with heat. That's a type of thermal storage. We're going to talk about flywheel storage. That's spinning things. We are going to talk about compressed air energy storage, otherwise known as CAES. Then we're going to talk about ternary batteries. That's a type of lithium ion battery, otherwise known as NMC or NCA versus LFP. Ternary means three, by the way. We're going to talk about energy density and specific energy. And if you've listened to my other podcasts, you know I like to talk about that because so many people say energy density when they mean specific energy. That's by weight. And then we're going to get into some mythology when we're going to talk about battery memory myths. We're going to cover protection circuits. We're going to cover lead acid deep cycle batteries, maintenance, and equalization. That's maintenance and equalization. Those are deep cycle lead acid terms typically. However, we're going to talk a little bit about nickel metal hydride, abbreviated NIMH. We're going to cover NICADs a little bit, nickel cadmium, and then we're going to discuss the differences of lithium versus lithium ion batteries. However, most of the time when people are saying lithium, they mean lithium ion, and that's kind of right because lithium ion has lithium in it. We're going to cover lithium air batteries, lithium polymer batteries. We're going to discuss microporous electrolyte versus porous separators. We're going to talk about the Tesla battery cost advantage rumors. And then vanadium redox flow batteries, which have analytes and catholytes. Then we're going to discuss oxidation, zinc bromine flow batteries. We're going to cover the national electrical code and more. So to learn more about energy storage, go to solarsean.com. So let's get into it. We're going to start off looking at different battery markets. And the main type of energy storage that people are talking about that's growing, that most people can get their hands on, is battery energy storage. Especially taking off is lithium-ion battery. GM Insights are saying that the lithium-ion battery market is predicted to observe over 20% compound annual growth rate between 2020 and 2030. So lithium-ion is about half of the battery market by dollars. Some other pieces of the pie, sodium sulfur, lead acid, flow batteries, and some others. So what does that mean? A 20% compound annual growth rate between 2020 and 2030. And so what we do for the math is we go 1.2 to the 10th power. That means a 6.2 fold increase. So according to this, we're going to have at least six times more lithium ion batteries being produced out there. And you know what? Personally, I predict more. Also too, what is confusing sometimes is when people say 100% increase, that means they're doubling. So a 200% increase is tripling. So a 6.2 fold increase means a 520% increase, just not to be confused. So when somebody says a percent increase, when they're talking about hundreds of percents, it is actually a little bit better than it sounds. Just remember a 100% increase is doubling. Some people think in their heads like, oh, a six-fold increase, that would be 600% increase. No, that's a 500% increase. 
So there's different types of thermal. Most of the thermal for grid scale is concentrated solar power. So you're taking a bunch of mirrors or something that's going to be reflecting and you're making something really hot where you can store that hot, say, molten salt underground. And then you can use that to make steam and spin a turbine later at night. Other types of thermal storage, though, that you could have would be chilling water or making ice and using that for cooling later on. But typically, the main type of thermal storage, when you see that thermal storage for energy storage, is going to be molten salt stored so you can spin a turbine later on, and that's done with concentrated sunlight. They call that CSP, concentrated solar power, and that's not photovoltaic at all. That's beams of light concentrated to make something hot so that you can store something such as molten salt. So you heat up these salts so hot that you can make steam with them later on. Flywheels are so interesting, but there's not a whole lot of these flywheel projects going on. So in the United States, we have 20 megawatts of flywheels in New York, 20 megawatts of flywheels in Pennsylvania, 2 megawatts of flywheels in Alaska, and 5 megawatts in Texas. So not a whole lot of flywheels out there, but maybe we'll see more because they're cool compressed air energy storage. And just to kind of give you an EIA update of what's going on in the United States with compressed air or CAES is not a whole lot. We have 110 megawatts of compressed air in Alabama that was installed in 1991. And then we're working on 317 megawatts of compressed air in Texas that might be fully functional in 2022. So compressed air, it's kind of neat, just not a lot of it going on. Feel free to also go to EIA.gov to see what you can find there. And if you wanted to look at the exact report, get your own copy. One thing that you might read about in the news is sometimes they'll talk about ternary batteries. Ternary is another word that means three, and that would mean three different elements. And typically with ternary, we're talking about nickel, manganese, cobalt, or nickel, cobalt, aluminum. Those are they'd be the three different elements. And so they talk about ternary batteries versus LFP. So we're comparing different types of lithium batteries. So ternary, that's NMC or NCA, versus, versus lithium iron phosphate. And so that's lithium nickel manganese cobalt oxide is NMC, and lithium nickel cobalt aluminum oxide is NCA. And the most popular lithium battery that we see these days is NMC. That's lithium nickel manganese cobalt oxide. So why do we like lithium? Lithium is around because it has higher energy density and also higher specific energy. So energy density is per volume and specific energy is energy per weight. That's the important thing for cars. And a lot of batteries are being developed for cars. And then we use that same technology for our energy storage systems. And there's not much in the way of maintenance. And we might remember in the days when we were using nickel-based batteries, they'd had this memory. And so they would say to run it all the way down before you charged it. Well, we don't have to do that with lithium batteries. So some of the drawbacks with lithium that we have overcome is it requires a protection circuit. So we have smart batteries. Lithium batteries can age when not being used. So if you take an electric vehicle and park it for 10 years, battery might not work. There's transportation regulation with lithium batteries as far as bringing them on the airplanes. Lithium batteries cost more, but that price is going down. Let's just talk a little bit about the lead acid battery now. We have deep cycle batteries. Sometimes they call them traction batteries. That might be something that you'll see in forklifts, off-grid solar hippies, 
And in fact, I have a 2002 Toyota Prius with almost 300,000 miles on it. And that actually has a 12 volt deep cycle battery in it. It's not starting the engine, but it's keeping things going like the fan, the radio, and all kinds of things when I'm going downhill. Some people might call it an accessory battery that works at 12 volts. So we can get different types of deep cycle. We could get the flooded lead acid. That's where you can take the caps off and add distilled water and you can do equalization for maintenance on those batteries or the maintenance free battery. And that could be a sealed flooded lead acid battery or the gel battery or the AGM, the absorbed glass mat battery. These maintenance free batteries are sealed so you can't add water to them, but they still need to have a valve on them so they don't explode. So if you overcharge them very fast, it could have a buildup of hydrogen gas and it needs to have a valve to release that pressure. And then we have, besides the deep cycle type of lead acid battery, we have the starting lighting and ignition battery and that's your typical car battery. It gives you a whole bunch of current all at once. It's not good for cycling up and down. There's lots of surface area for exchanging ions. Now we're talking about my Prius that I was just telling you about. It has a nickel metal hydride battery. It's about twice as heavy as lithium. So we're talking about weight, so that specific energy. It has traditionally been less expensive than lithium, but it's not very common now because lithium is going down in price. We talk about nickel metal hydride and the other nickel battery is NICAD. NICAD has cadmium in it, that's nickel cadmium. Cadmium is a toxic heavy metal. Some of you might know that is the material that you'll see in first solar modules. That's a type of thin film solar module. And so we try to avoid cadmium if we can. Now lithium, taken off, the big thing. Lithium is number three on the periodic table. It is the lightest metal. Sometimes we see people talking about lithium versus lithium ion. Usually when people say lithium battery, they mean a lithium ion and they're not really wrong. But if we're saying a lithium battery that's not lithium ion, usually you're talking about a primary battery. One of the things about charging the lithium metal batteries, that's the ones that are not lithium ion, is they can become unstable. We're trying to work on that because the lithium metal batteries can hold more energy, but we don't want those batteries shorting out because that could cause a thermal event. But with lithium ion, we have ions of lithium going through a solution. And that's why they call that a lithium ion. And that's mostly what we're seeing these days. However, there's lots of smart people working on the lithium battery that's not the lithium ion because someday that might take over once they figure out how to make it more stable. And a lot of people expect that that will happen. There's even another type of a battery called a lithium air battery. And that can have a super huge specific energy and energy density. So we'll see, we'll see what the future brings. So here we go, advantages of lithium ion, high specific energy, high load capabilities. So we got power cells and energy cells. Some of them are designed better for power. Some are designed better for energy. We can cycle them up and down a lot. You don't have to do maintenance on them. Low internal resistance. You get a lot of current out of them, which can also lead to something shorting out being more dangerous. Don't put a lithium ion battery in your pocket with change. That could really short it out and burn your leg. Or worse, we can charge them pretty fast and they don't discharge that fast when you just leave them sitting. So limitations, drawbacks for the lithium ion, you need to have a protection circuit. Don't have to do that with lead acid. If you store it at a higher temperature when it's fully charged, that's really bad. You can't charge it fast at freezing or below freezing. And you gotta be careful when you bring too many of those on the airplane. You can't put them on your checked in luggage. 
Now, there's something else that you hear about that's called a lithium polymer battery. And a lithium polymer battery is pretty much a lithium ion battery. It's pretty much the same thing. You can have lithium polymer battery that's NMC, for instance. That's lithium nickel manganese cobalt oxide. And this polymer just means that the electrolyte is not liquid. Think of them as putting jello in there. They're not really putting jello in there, but kind of that idea, it's got a polymer in there. One of the drawbacks of these polymer batteries is the cost is higher by about 10 to 30%. So more about these lithium batteries, we've got cobalt or manganese that's been in consumer electronics. Tesla has been using the NCA battery. That's lithium nickel cobalt aluminum oxide, but they also do use the LFP and the NMC just not as often. So lithium iron phosphate has a good curve as far as when you're discharging it, the voltage doesn't drop as fast. LFP has a longer cycle life. We've heard of people talking about the million mile battery might be an LFP battery. That means you could drive your EV for a million miles before that battery wears out. I've never driven a car that far. So LFP, if you put four 3.2 volt batteries in series, you get to 12.8 volts. So some people do sort of swap those out with lead acid batteries. However, if you're going on a long road trip, when you charge a lead acid battery, you trickle charge it. And so this battery can just kind of get charged a little bit too much, which is why you don't just swap out a regular LFP battery for your lead acid battery in general. So we were just talking recently about the lithium polymer and it's a lithium ion battery pretty much, but we have a microporous electrolyte instead of a porous separator. So we don't have liquid in there. Characteristics are pretty much the same. Now we've got lithium air. We've got to do research on that, but it has a ton of energy density, but it's just not stable. So we don't want it to blow up. Some people compare that lithium air energy density to gasoline. Wow. The lithium air so when we're charging it we are sending the electrons to the lithium and so we're taking the oxygen away from the lithium oxide and then for discharging it we're bringing in the air bringing in the oxygen and bringing that to make the lithium oxide so we always hear about tesla being in the news and the question is how much their batteries really cost tesla how much money are they making what's their profit doing what's their stock doing might have something to do with this a lot of it has to do with batteries. So these batteries are not just used for cars. They're used for energy storage systems. And the holy grail for energy storage is $100 per kilowatt hour. Some people think Tesla might already be there. There's a lot of controversy on that. It's saying that Tesla has a 20% battery cost advantage over the competition. That would be a great advantage to have if that was your company. So we were talking about battery prices being $1,000 per kilowatt hour in 2010. And some people say we might have already reached $100 per kilowatt hour in 2020. Depends on who you're talking to. And the companies that are making these cars, they don't have to tell you how much it costs them to make a battery. And one of the things that seems to be happening in this industry is the prices are going down faster than people would have ever imagined. And that has to do with all the smart people that we have working on this problem of battery costs and the huge demand for these batteries and getting that cost down. Very important. We're gonna get a little bit more into the flow batteries. And so a flow battery is kind of neat. One of the good things about a flow battery is you can cycle it all the way up and all the way down many, many times and not wear things out. The most popular type of flow battery that we have is called the vanadium 
redox flow battery. And so one of the benefits to having these Vs, this vanadium, which is the 23rd element on the periodic table of elements, is that we can use vanadium on both sides at different charges of the flow battery. So that way we don't get cross contamination. And that means that this vanadium can last for a really, really long time. Another thing about these vanadium batteries is as they wear out, the color of the solution changes. So that's an interesting way to tell if your battery's dead or not, is to just look at what color that electrolyte is. And so there we have it, the vanadium flow battery. Multiple valence states of vanadium. It's interesting how they're talking instead of anode or cathode, they're calling it the analyte and the catholyte. So when we give away an electron, that makes something more positive. And when we take in an electron, that makes something more negative. We have an ion selective membrane separating these two things. And so that would have to do more with power, this ion selective membrane and that part of the vanadium battery, and then tanks, and that has to do with energy. In fact, if you want to increase the amount of energy that your flow battery can deal with, all you do is you increase the electrolyte in the electrolyte tank. So one of the things that's a benefit for this type of a battery that a lot of people are talking about is for storing larger amounts of energy for longer periods of time. So we talk about long time storage. So you're gonna store things for hours, for days, perhaps even weeks. The longer periods of time work pretty well for things like pumped hydroelectric storage, compressed air, and flow batteries. And so it's predicted that we're gonna start seeing a lot more flow batteries out there with these vanadium flow batteries because of this long-term storage that we can do here. We just need to get lots of vanadium. So oxidation is any chemical reaction that involves the moving of electrons. Specifically, it means the substance that gives away electrons is oxidized. And this is normally a reaction between oxygen and a substance such as iron. So iron oxide is rust. That is oxidized. So you sit some iron out there in the air, and as that iron becomes iron oxide, so that means oxygen is coming out of the air, it's making rust, and that's why Mars is red. Iron oxide, it's been oxidized, just like what you're doing when you're using a flow battery. So with these vanadium redox batteries, you can go up to 100% state of charge, down to a 0% state of charge. That would be 100% depth of discharge, and it's not gonna damage that battery, and you can still get decades out of that. So there's different types of flow batteries, kind of interesting, it kind of gives us an idea. And it's also made out of zinc bromine. So another thing about some of these flow batteries is they are not toxic. In fact, zinc is a medicine that you can take so you don't get a cold, and bromine, that's in Mountain Dew and pineapples, I believe. Another thing too is one of the things about how a flow battery works is it's kind of a cross between a fuel cell, that's a hydrogen fuel cell typically, and a battery. So it's like a little bit fuel cell, a little bit battery. In fact, when we look at the National Electrical Code, when it talks about flow batteries, it sends us to the fuel cell article. So that brings us to the end we talked a lot about batteries and got into details about the flow batteries, especially with vanadium, the 23rd element on the periodic table. Thanks for listening to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. To learn more about energy storage, go to solarsean.com and fill up your brain.